What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Retired to Hunt. Reporting to you live from home base. Spent about eight days out in the woods between scouting and hunting, but uh, currently running into a little knee issue, uh, trying to nurse it back to health. So I spent the last day and a half laid up. I'm actually going to head into the woods as soon as I drop this episode. So uh, I'm actually reporting to you live from home base, but I am headed back into the woods here in a couple hours. Uh, appreciate y'all listening in, man. It's been a uh, been a whirlwind of a deal. Like I said, I spent the last little over a week out in the woods, and uh, it's been really good. I mean, September's here, man. Elk's here. Mule deer's in. Grouse is in. It's a great time of year to be in the woods. You know, the elk are already talking, even though, you know, you'll hear the occasional dude say, uh, it's not even worth being in the woods the first week. Nothing makes any noise. Yeah, well, you're in the wrong unit. But uh, anyway, some elk making noise. We've had all kinds of stuff going on, and I already know a lot of the reason uh you know, some of y'all are here to hear about this, uh, the gun story. I had a gun pointed at us in the woods a couple of days ago. Kind of a crazy deal. Definitely a first time for me, hopefully a last time, but uh, it was definitely a crazy deal, and I can't wait to tell y'all about it. But first, we'll go ahead and do a little recap of uh, what I was been going on with me ever since I hopped in the woods. Uh, what was it, last Sunday? Yeah, it was last Sunday, got in the woods. But uh, So I roll in, get to the National Forest Service dirt about 4 o'clock in the p.m., and, uh, you know, that first day when you first pull in, I think, you know, to me, there's a lot of merit in doing a lot of scouting of the country as opposed to the scouting of the elk. And what do you mean by that? So I think that, you know, that first day, you know, if you've never been there, it, it would it would do you uh, very well to ride around and see where your pressure is coming from. Right. Is there any other camps? Where are the other camps? Is it outfitter camps? Is it normal camps? Is it hiking? You know, people just out hiking. Uh, I think a real easy way to see if somebody's out hiking or not. You know, if you see an archery target in somebody's camp, they're probably up there hunting. But, uh, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to tell. But, you know, see where your pressure's coming from. Uh, see if your camp spot's going to be viable. You know, if you've never been there and you just scouted it on, on X, maybe that spot's not big enough to get your rig in. You know, if you're pulling in in a dual axle 28, 30-foot camper, you know, is it is it a big enough spot to pull your camper in there? Are you going to be able to turn around? A lot of things going to play up. Is that campus spot going to be viable for you? But anyway, I spent that first day. Matter of fact, it was just the first evening is what I did. You know, I rode in about four o'clock and uh, spent until dark just riding those roads, seeing where the pressure's coming from. I actually was seeing grouse day one of scouting. Pretty cool deal. So, like I said, all I did that night was ride around and uh, check and see where my pressure was coming from. And uh, actually turned up an outfitter camp. About five miles from camp, but that is the only other camp that was in there besides myself. Now, keep in mind, I was there five days before opening day. So, you know, you can kind of expect to not have much pressure at that point in time. So I was fired up to see that all it was was one outfitter camp. He was positioned on the whole opposite side of the basin and me. So, uh, you know, it was safe to assume that there was going to be some pressure coming from that side. So I just kept it in the back of my mind and also marked it on on X that there was an outfitter camp across the basin. So, like I said, I was very fired up to see that my camp spot was a good spot, uh, you know, because I've never been in the area, but did a whole, whole, whole lot of breaking this thing down electronically uh, through mapping systems. So, you know, I felt like I'd already been there before. But I will say, just like a lot of times, 
You know, there's always that question of, is it going to look like what I think it's going to look like? You know, is it going to look like what it looks like on Onyx when I'm zoomed in on 3D, so on and so forth? And for the most part, it was what I was expecting it to be, but I definitely ran into some instances where uh, maybe I could have done my homework better or it just didn't look like what I envisioned it to look like. So, uh, like I said, got to my camp spot and I had all intentions of getting the wall tent out, putting the wall tent up, putting the stove up. But you know what? It's like, all right, I got five days to scout. If I'm not running into elk, I'm not going to be here very long. So I have my 8x12 enclosed trailer, you know, and I was like, maybe I just clean some of this stuff out, pull the four-wheeler out the back of it, put my cot in here, and just stay in here. Why? Because it just adds to the mobility of the whole trip. Uh, I'd be able to, you know, pick up stakes and move very, very easily as opposed to trying to break down that wall tent, break down the stovepipe dump the ashes out the stove, uh, so on and so forth. So that's what I elected to do, man. I was I was sleeping in the trailer that first night, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised by the, how comfortable it was. It was a very, very cool night. Uh, by cool, I literally mean low temperatures. It wasn't freezing cold or anything. I mean, it was probably in the high 30s, but I uh, was able to stay fairly warm in the uh, in the box trailer. It was a really, really good sleep. I really love I got a big old cot. Uh, you know, I was able to put a, an air mattress and, uh, some other things to, to make it very, very soft. It was like being at home, man. Really, really good night's sleep. But uh, woke up really early, drove down this Forest Service road, and uh, actually about halfway to where I wanted to glass, I jumped two cows and a raghorn ran across the road in front of me. So that was, I was fired up about that just to lay eyes on that. Because, guys, it's a hell of a feeling when, you know, you spend months and months breaking down a spot electronically and you go to pull up to said spot and there's elk there it's a really cool feeling so i uh, drove down this road the road was a one way in one way out what does that mean so when you go through that gate it's not a through road meaning eventually you run into private land and there's no there's not an easement you know to to allow you to drive through that private land so you got to go there all the way to the end and you're going to turn around and drive right back out so that's kind of the layout of this road that i was driving on and the end of the road was a nice, solid uh, glassing point that you could see down in this big basin. And the basin was just beautiful, man. I mean, the, uh, the the timber diversity, you know, the you know those aspens, when they butt up to those coniferous trees, you know, the pines, it creates a line, right? Edge habitat, all that was there. Water, you could see water holes, you could see wallows all the way across through my binoculars. And I was using my spotter very sparingly, but, uh, you know, it looked like great, great elk habitat, super steep. You know, there was some benches. It was it was a hell of a uh, hell of an elky looking spot. Now, didn't see any elk over there glass for the first hour and a half, two hours of light. Didn't see anything. Wasn't dejected or anything because, I mean, it just looked like super good elk habitat. Maybe they fed, you know, late last night or something. They were already laid down. Anyway, my point is, is I wasn't let down by not seeing any elk. It just looked too good in there. So, uh like I said, didn't see any elk in there, but what I did have in mind was I had a spot that was about a five-minute four-wheeler ride from where I was glassing. Now, it's about a 600-foot vertical climb. Uh, it's pretty steep. It's nothing crazy, but pretty steep little climb, and I envisioned it being a good glassing knob just based off of the homework that I had done on Go Hunt Maps, so on and so forth, you know, really diving into the 3D aspect really looking at angles, making sure that I had an angle to see that basin. Now, the glassing point was decent. It was okay. It was not near as good as what I had expected it to be. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Not to mention, by the time I got up there, it was not a great time of day to be glassing. 
So uh ended up walking through this really thick timber on top. It's kind of a butte, so the top's pretty flat. So I was up on the top walking through the blowdown. The blowdown was so bad. I mean, it was terrible. A lot of you guys, if you've ever been to Colorado, you know that, you know, a lot of, especially the OTC units, well, honestly, most units, you're going to run into some beetle kill somewhere. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of wind out here, so it doesn't take long. You know, it takes some years for those trees to die from the beetle kill, but eventually they're going to blow down. And they're just going to be laying there, and it's it's very, very difficult to walk through. It's like a maze, man. Uh, and I've got long legs, and it's still, like, the, the, the amount of blowdown I was going through on this particular trip was was insane. So made my way through the blowdown, and I'm kind of cussing at myself because I've been going through it for, like, three-quarters of a mile, and I'm like, what are we doing here? And uh, finally, I looked down and found a fresh pile of elk shit, so I'm fired up. Okay, this is fresh. So the ground's so dry that you can't really, you couldn't tell where it was coming from, where it was going. I was just following the drops, man. I'll see a drop here, there. I followed, followed, followed. Finally, found another big fresh pile, and uh, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, that's super fresh. And I go to look up, and I just see the silhouette of a big old belly. Now, my first thought was, this is a big old cow in the brush, a big moo cow in the brush. And, uh, cause I mean, the gut was huge on this thing, man. And again, it was dark, it was really thick. I'm like, that's gotta be a big old moo cow. So I'm kind of trying to make it out, make it out. I'm looking, finally it flicks its tail. And you know, there's no denying an elk tail. I was like, wow, this is an elk. This has got to be a bull. So I'm looking for his face. I finally see his mouth and he's drooling. He's staring right at me. He looks, he looks pissed. He does. But, uh, I look up on top of his head and I can just see his left part of his left main beam, that little area between his second and third, I can see it and it looks huge, massive. Now, I don't know exactly how big this bull was. I did not get a good look at it. But honestly, just in seeing his belly, I'm like, this has got to be a mature bull. I mean, his gut was huge. And uh so we have a little stare down for about two minutes and I'm just standing there being as still as I can and I'm thinking, I've got to find a way to get out of here without terrifying this thing. So I go to slowly move, and of course, as soon as I go to slowly back out of there, he, you know, it, it spooks him, and he trots off about 10, 15 yards, stops, and loops back. Well, I just, I never break stride, and I just slowly, you know, make it clear I'm walking in the opposite direction and just slowly creep out. He just stood there and watched me, so I was fired up by the fact he didn't spook too bad. He just kind of watched me walk off. Uh, so, you know, I had high hopes that he would still be up there or still be around in that, that close vicinity because I did not you know, spooked the hell out of him by the encounter that we had. So I was fired up just seeing elk. Uh, obviously, to see a bull elk, that's just a plus. But it was a little bit closer of an encounter than I would have liked. So saw that bull, was fired up about it. Go back to camp. Okay, so I'm about two spots removed from the gate I was telling you about by the one-way-in and one-way-out road. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to move camp closer to the gate. Why? Because I kind of wanted to, you know, make my presence known that, I'm going to be up here hunting this this area. So, and that's exactly what I did. I got my trailer very quickly loaded up. Uh, you know, like I said, it was very, very slim setup, um, very mobile setup. So it did not take long to get everything put back in that tent, or excuse me, in that uh, that box trailer and get camp moved uh, about 300 yards to the north to my final, uh, my final camp in that unit. So finally pull in to that spot. Kind of, kind of spread my wings a little bit. Take a, take a couple more things out of the truck and set it up. You know, a shower and put the hammock up. Took the coolers out of the back of the trailer, stuff like that. Just kind of made it a little more homey, a little bit. Even though I knew there was elk up there, I'm not for sure how long I'm gonna be here, right? So I didn't put everything out. So got a little bit more comfortable, and uh, 
you know, like I said, got the uh, got the shower and stuff put out. And then that night went back out. So that night there was no luck. All right. Driving the roads, uh, bugled a little bit in the dark, no responses, which was fine. Uh, I knew that just because there was no response, it didn't mean there wasn't elk in the area because uh, I had seen elk already. I knew they were in there and nothing was making any noise. So anyway, scout that out. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I uh, was night bugling and didn't get any responses. So I go back to camp, fire up a uh, homestyle chicken and rice peak refuel, had a nice little dinner, took a uh, Mountain Ops deep sleep and recovery packet, knocked out, had a great night's sleep. Um, really, really, really good night's sleep. So woke up, uh, woke up early again, went to go glass and I'm on the way to the gate, you know, where I said that uh, that one way in, one way out gate, and there's a grouse right at the gate. So I'm fired up. I'm like, well, shoot, there's going to be some grouse here on opening day, and I've only got a couple days till September the 1st, so I was fired up. So I went back in there and uh, went to the glass spot that I was at the day prior, and there was some elk down there. Cool deal. You know, just watching elk be elk, doing elky stuff. It was cool to just sit there and watch them. Uh, so, okay, it's it's officially confirmed that they are down in that basin. So I'm fired up about that. So I watch those elk, um, go back to camp, and uh, have some ramen noodles. Very good. Creamy chicken ramen noodles. Super, super good. Then uh, I went to this other spot that I've been looking at on the map, obviously, for, you know, for several months and wanted to go check it out. Just so happened to be the very basin that I saw those elk in, uh, you know, that morning that literally that morning is where I saw those elk is where I wanted to go, wanted to go check out and get a closer look at. So I was just very carefully walking off into this area, seven mile four wheel ride. And on the walk in, man, I walked through this, the coolest, like dark, damp uh, area, like four. I mean, it was like Washington or Oregon or something. I mean, it was crazy. Old dead uh, spruce and fur laying on the ground and it, like i said everything was damp it was crazy there was mushrooms everywhere i'm talking about thousands tens of thousands of mushrooms i've never seen anything like it so i went ahead and marked that on my onyx because i didn't know anything about mushrooms so i just knew that there had to have been some in here that was edible so i marked it on my onyx and i was like man i'm gonna do some research and, and maybe come back in here and be able to take a couple of these because i know some of these you got to be able to eat Anyway, back onto the journey down into the basin. So get past the mushroom spot. And uh, I hear a loud running through the woods. I'm like, this got to be elk. So all of a sudden, here I see it's a horse. Now, the horse had a bridle on. He had the rope hanging off of it. And I don't know if, you know, somebody cut him. I don't know. I don't know if he got loose, but it was not a friendly horse. Tried to call him in, tried to slowly walk up to him. He wasn't having none of it. I mean, the horse seemed to be in good shape. It wasn't like he was emaciated or anything like that. The horse seemed to be in good shape, but he was not a friendly horse. So, I mean, nothing I could do about it. Like I said, I tried to, you know, walk up on him and pet him and, you know, see what was up with him, but uh, he was not having any of that. So he ran off. I continued down the basin. It was a pretty solid uh, climb down into the base, or the, uh, the basin. I mean, I think it was like a 1,600-foot drop down in that basin. I actually tried to approach it from the south and it was impassable from that way. So I had to go to the north side, try to drop down from that way, kind of out of my way a little bit. Was able to get down there, uh, but it was a tough descent. And I'll say this too. So I got a hot spot on the way down there on uh, on the bottom of my left, I think my left foot. And I was able to take care of that as soon as it appeared. Now, reason I say that is if you don't take care of your feet, man, as soon as you start to get a hot spot or a blister, whatever it may be, 
you are going to suffer the rest of the time. I'm just telling you, I've learned it the hard way. So I was able to get some Luco tape, take that thing up with some Luco tape. And uh, like I said, man, I was in there for eight days and never had any issues with it uh, moving forward because I was able to take care of it as soon as it happened. So that's just a good lesson that I had not learned the hard way is you just got to always, always take care of your feet as soon as it happens, man, or else it's going to be a bad deal. What I will say is I did tweak my knee. Like I said, it's, it's really bad right now, but, you know, that was just the start of it. Tweaked my knee, kind of went to step up on some blow down the wrong way and not good. A little meniscus stuff going on, cry me a river, got to move on. Uh, so, little knee issue, had knee sleeves on, so I don't know, wasn't much I could do about it, so I just kept going. But uh, the water hole that I was looking for, looking at from the other side of the basin where I was scouting in the morning, I couldn't find that thing. I don't know, it, it wasn't showing up on the map. Could not find the same. Finally, I found it. I had to go an extra mile of the way to go find it. And it was just so dry that you could not, and when I say dry, I'm talking about the edges. So it was very hard to see any sort of tracks or anything like that um, to tell if they'd been in it. But I saw them going right past it. So I'd imagine they, they've watered from it before. But anyway, uh, headed out after that, climbed back up out of that hill and uh, went back to camp. And uh, oh yeah, so on the way to camp, uh, I get all fired up when I get back to my four-wheeler, just like everybody. When you, you do a couple miles, do a couple thousand feet of elevation gain and loss, when you get back to the four-wheeler, it's a good deal, right? You're thinking about that hot meal, going to be back at camp, so on and so forth. I hop on the four-wheeler. I'm feeling good. I drive about a mile and a half away from where I was parked, and I go to reach and look, uh, grab my phone and look on Onyx. Can't feel my phone in my pocket. You got to be kidding me. Like, Is this thing back down in that hellhole or... You know, I don't remember the last time I used it. So, very, very bad feeling on the way back, you know, driving back to the spot. Well, I get about 200 yards from the pull-off where I was parked, and I see my phone laying in the middle of the road, face down in the middle of the road. So, thank goodness nobody ran over it, anything like that. I had an otter box on it, so picked it up, dusted it off, and uh, continued on, went back to camp, fired up to find my phone, right? I mean, that's... I really don't know what you do if you lose your phone in a situation like that. I mean, it's got your maps. I mean, I, that, I just don't know what I would have done if I lost my phone. I'm just telling you because, uh, I mean, I don't have a backup device with any of my maps or anything like that. Um, can I navigate? Sure. Do I know some land nav? Absolutely. But, I mean, my whole plan is on this phone. So it would have been a bad deal. Anyway, get back to camp, fire up the old jet bowl, and I have a, a sweet pork and rice peak refuel which was absolutely outstanding uh also had a little cup of bone broth you know bone bone broth some good stuff it's got collagen and a bunch of other good stuff is good for you in there also took a shower which was nice nice mountain shower uh that's always good to have a shower in there after being there for a couple of days and i just cleaned up the trailer got everything a little more comfortable also drink a wilderness athlete uh hydrating recovery pack which is good because i'm a big cramper i actually was cramping on uh on that particular walk to uh yeah big cramper so that wilderness athlete or yeah wilderness athlete hydrate recover is very very good for me i always got a little bit of that in my pack but uh so next morning wake up and uh woke up about 6 37 o'clock so i slept in because you know i saw those elk cross the road on the one way in one way out road saw them cross i saw elk cross away i'm like you know what the least i can be in the less i can be in here i think the better so that's exactly what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay out of here. I know that they're going to be in here. So I'm just going to stay out and uh, try not to mess with anything because opening day is coming up. 
right around the corner. So I just decided this morning I'm going to wake up a little late, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I went out and looked for the mushrooms, all right? The night before, I sat at camp uh, when I was having my Mountain Ops Deep Sleep Recovery apple cider. And uh, I sat there and did some research on mushrooms because, I mean, if I would have just picked any shroom I wanted, I probably would have killed myself. So you got to do your research. Look at what's edible. I looked up, you know, Colorado uh, edible wild mushrooms and found there's several, several different uh, mushrooms that you can pick and eat, you know, all the way from uh, hawk's feather or hawk's wing to the puffball to the porcinis, you know, the king belit, uh to golden chanterelles, black morels. Uh, so, you know, I was able to take some screenshots of what they look like, take some screenshots of the descriptions of each one. You know, does it have gills? Does it have teeth? Do I need to get the young ones? Do I need the bigger ones? So on and so forth. So I just did my research on it, went back to the spot. And uh, on that particular uh, shroom and trip, all I found were the, the hawk's wings and I found one porcini, which was still cool. I've never, you know, picked any wild mushroom to, to eat. It was pretty cool to be able to, you know, just do that research and go out and find those mushrooms in the same day, essentially. So that was a pretty cool deal. So also I noticed on the way back, man, so many grouse, so many grouse and opening day was coming up. So I was fired up about that. I mean, these were dumb grouse too. I mean, running along the, the side of the road, it would stand there and let you ride past them. I mean, it was crazy. So anyway, went back, did some camp chores at camp, split a little wood, uh, stacked up some wood. And then uh, there was a, a water hole, not too, too awfully far from camp that I knew I wanted to go take a peek at. And, uh, you know, it's a huge, huge water hole, but it is close to camp, but it is way, way off the beaten path. It's about 13 miles down a 50-inch road. Well, what's a 50-inch road? 50-inch road is any vehicle that accesses that portion of the road has got to be 50 inches or less to go back there. So, you know, you're talking about a four-wheeler, a bike, maybe a small UTV, something like that. So long ways down that road on the four-wheeler, got to the water hole. Again, edges super dry. Can't tell if the animals have been in there. Definitely doesn't smell like elk or anything like that. So I just, you know, logged it away as it looks okay. Like maybe it's an option, maybe not, who knows. But anyway, check that out. Went back to camp, took out all my cooking stuff, you know, because uh, I was hoping old Lance was going to be ready for uh, some hogfish and some rice and stuff like that. But he said he woke up with food poisoning, so he ate like some oatmeal or something and, I had another peak refuel. I think I had homestyle chicken and rice, which I think that's my favorite one is a homestyle chicken and rice. But that was the last day before uh, before opening day. So, all right, without further ado, this is why most of y'all are here, man. This is opening day, all right? This is the opening day madness. This is the guy pulling the gun at the water hole. This was a crazy deal. So, opening morning, crispy, cool morning. Not super cool, probably 40 degrees. Heading up in the dark, obviously we're heading in by green light and uh, we go to the initial water hole that we want to sit. Well, get in there, I start looking around with that light and I can see a trail camera. So, man, I got every right to be here, but I want to avoid confrontation. I'm not, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to, you know, somebody say, this is my trail camera, right? this is my spot. All right, I don't want to go through that. I might lose my temper, all right, so... I'm like, you know what, let's just move on. Let's go to a different water hole. There's already a camera here. The way the wind was blowing, the cover was in the wrong spot to even hunt it, if that makes sense, with, with the given wind that we had. So, uh, you know, I knew about another water hole in the vicinity. So we went to that one. We get there. I'm kind of looking around the edges, trying to find where to set up. 
Next thing I know, I look up and there's a bear at about 18 yards just staring me right in the face. So I just throw my hand up. I mean, he's so close, I can see his eyes got big. I just throw my hands up and he takes off. So crazy deal. Sub 20 yard bear encounter. It was sweet, man. Uh, you know, got to fully see that bear standing in the wide open. But uh, he took off running and he was gone. Got a bear tag, but it just happened so quick. I wasn't able to knock an arrow and do anything. Uh, and once he got. 50 yards away, y'all know how those bears are, man. They got those soft pads. I mean, it's, it was pretty much silent once he got away a little bit. So that that little encounter was ruined, and it kind of came and went. So we kept it pushing through the uh, through the thick stuff, kind of working the edge of the bedrooms because those elk are being super, super quiet. And I'll be honest with you, working the thick stuff with elk that are silent, from the little experience that I have, it's a very low-odds game because if you got elk that are talking, all right, you can maneuver around those elk because you kind of keep tabs on exactly where they're at. If you don't know exactly where they're at, it's tough to play the win game. It's tough to win the wind game, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, when you're trying to work that thick timber, that bedroom stuff, and they're not making any noise, I mean, it's super, super low odds of, of hunting, and, and I don't like living in that world. Uh, so to be honest with you, after the first morning, I was about ready to pick up and, uh, pick up and move units, because I know that somewhere in an OTC unit, there's elk talking, there's elk wanting to play the game. So that's all I kept thinking about, even though I know I'd had that encounter right in that same spot with that bull in the thick brush. So anyway, we're kind of skirting the edge of this bedroom and we're uh, climbing through blow down, breaking twigs, breaking sticks. And all of a sudden we hear something run off and it was big, whatever it was. I mean, it was either a gigantic mule deer or an elk or a moose. We never laid eyes on it, but we spooked something up. I'm thinking it was an elk, but again, we never laid eyes on it. So, we make our way back to camp. We get back to camp about 1.30 in the afternoon. And uh, we hang out for a little bit and eat a little lunch and look down towards the gate. And we see a uh, a recurve hunter going in. So I'm kind of dejected. I'm like, man, I bet he's going right up to that water hole. So we watch him walk through the gate. And uh, we actually saw him walk back out of the gate about 45 minutes later. So I can about guarantee you all he did was walk down the road and throw off a couple calls. And didn't get any responses. So he came back which was good because I thought he was going to go into the water hole. So he ended up not doing that. So uh, we end up eating a little lunch and uh, drink a little water. And we climbed back in the woods about 4.30. Uh, went up to the water hole, found a beautiful thick patch of woods with the wind, where the wind was right, that we could get in there and hide. And we're sitting in this water hole or standing in this water hole. So we've been there for about an hour. And uh, just a beautiful night. I couldn't wait till crunch time. Y'all know what crunch time is, man. That 30 minutes before the sun goes down when you just think at any time it could happen. You know what I mean? And right before crunch time, I just hear, you know, something walking through the woods behind us. And I'm like, okay, this is it. The wind isn't great for this, but maybe it'll work out. Well, I look behind me and I see this old man. Now, when I say old man, I'm talking about early 70s, maybe late 60s, but I would say early 70s. Walking right towards the water hole. He's got on Wranglers, a gray shirt. He's holding a rifle. He has on no arms, no backpack, no water with him, no nothing. And he's kind of stumbling. Now, I don't know if that's just like an old man walk. If he was drunk, I don't know. But he was stumbling, staggering. And uh, he sits down 65 yards away from us. We ranged it. He sat down 65 yards away from us. Now, I'm pretty mad about this. Now, I get he had no clue we were there, but. I'm waving my hands, both arms above my head, waving. I'm blowing the cow call as loud as I can, trying to get his attention. He's acting like he can't hear it. All right, he's an old man. Maybe he can't. All right, great. I get it. So my buddy Tom reaches in his pack. He's got an orange Kafaru pullout that he uses for his kill kit. He pulls it out. He's waving it over his head. Well, 
Finally, the old man waves back. All right. He acknowledges there's people there. He waves back. He gets up and goes to walk off. At that point, I'm not mad anymore because he had no clue we were there. Right. He wasn't doing nothing wrong. He didn't know we were there. We were tucked away. You know, but now he does know we're there. Right. He waved back. He goes to get up to walk away. So he walks through this patch of brush uh, for about 20 yards. So I couldn't see him for a little bit. Finally, I could see him again. At this point, he's about 80 yards away, and I go to wave. I kind of give him that appreciate you moving wave, you know, and as I'm waving, three or four seconds goes by, and he's not waving back. I'm like, what? What is wrong with this dude? Why is he not waving back? Well, about that time, he pulls his rifle up, points it right at us. We hit the deck. I grab the 10 millimeter that's hanging off my marsupial gear, bino harness. I shuck a shell in. I look at Tom right in the eyes, and I said, I will shoot this dude, man. He's pointing a gun at us. Now, you know, some people ask, well, why didn't you scream and, and let yourself be known? Number one, it was a push getting into that water hole. I was not trying to blow the whole woods out, all right? So, number two, I should not have to scream when you have already acknowledged the fact that there are people standing here, okay? How did he acknowledge us? Okay, he waved, number one. Number two, he got up to leave, right? He knew we were people, pointed a gun at us. So, we're down, we hit the deck, we got some good cover. I'm already strategizing. I mean, I felt like I was in Nam or something. I'm already strategizing of how I'm going to sneak around, get behind this spruce tree and do what I need to do. So, uh, you know, I, I peeked back up, probably 15, 20 seconds went by. I felt like an eternity. Go to slowly peek up, just barely clear my eyes over this log. And he's still all down on us. So I'm like, we're not good yet. So I'm staying down. I'm literally just strategizing what I may have to do here because I'm thinking this guy's going to kill us. Uh, so... Finally, I peek back up again after a couple more seconds, and he's staggering off, staggering off. Now, let's talk about the old dude for a little bit. Okay, he had a rifle. It was a uh, a lever-action rifle. So could it have been some sort of a grouse round? Now, from, from my understanding, you can kill a grouse or whatever you want, but it looked like a high-powered rifle, number one. Number two, I'm no grouse expert, but I don't think you sit on a water hole and wait for grouse. Now, I could be wrong again. I do not know. Number three, again, not a grouse expert, but I think you have to have orange on if you're hunting with a fire on, arm, hunting with a fire on. I don't know that to be true, but he, I know he did not have orange on. I also know that uh, he pointed a gun at us, which again, I'm every time I every time I talk about this, I get mad at it because I was furious. I'll be honest with you. Right, let me finish the story before I, before I say what I'm about to say. So, you know, we peek back up. He's finally walking away. And, uh, you know, we're just talking about, I can't believe what just happened, this and that. And he gets about 100 yards away. Tom's looking in his bag. I think he was putting his pullout back in his bag. And I tell him, get back down. Why did I say that? Dude pulled the gun again, aims it right back at us again. We hit the deck again. Uh, you know, it was crazy. So I, we're just talking. Like, I can't believe this is going on. I said, Tom, I might have to shoot this dude. Seriously, like, I'm fully ready to shoot this dude. I mean, he pulled a gun on me. I've never had no gun pulled on me. I was just... I couldn't believe it happened. I was very, very angry. I wasn't shook by any any means. I was just angered that this dude, who knows better than to do that. So I don't want to hear the, oh, it was an old man. He was just trying to identify you. No, waved at us, got up, went to leave, pointed the gun at us. I don't know what was up with this dude, you know, but like I said, he pointed the gun at us. I mean, if you're that deaf and can't see, you probably don't have no business being in the woods, all right? So I don't know what his intentions were. I just know he pointed a rifle at us twice, knowing good and well we were people. And there's no mistake. Like, 100% he knew we were people. He waved back at us. Plus, why else would he be leaving, right? Why else would he be going to leave from his spot? Why would he get up to leave 
other than the fact that people just waved at him from in the bush. Now, a guy got killed out here last year like that. So, you know, you never know what would happen out of something like that. So we hit the deck. We did everything we could. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Could uh, could we have yelled and been even more apparent about us being people? Sure. But the fact that he acknowledged us, that we were people, that should have been enough, okay? I didn't want to scream and blow the woods out. We were miles back in there, you know, so... Uh, we didn't scream and yell, but we shouldn't have had to. I mean, the guy waved back. He knew we were people. Anyway, I'm done talking about it. I'm getting mad just talking about it. It was crazy how it happened. I hope it don't ever happen again. I hope it doesn't happen to any of y'all. Uh, but just hunting public, hunting the water hole, man. This old man. B, I think it was illegally hunting. I ain't no, I'm not a judgmental dude. Hey, do your thing. But, uh, you know, when it involves me, that's when it starts to, you know, I got an issue with it, man, you know. And so I don't know what his deal was. I just hope it doesn't happen again. Uh but anyway, I'll go ahead and tell you guys about a cool encounter that I had just the other day with some screaming bulls. But uh, So we were up, changed units after that, hunted the next day, didn't see anything. Uh, so we went to change units. So we hiked into this spot in the dark, went to the east, about three units removed to the east. And uh, we hiked into this spot in the dark, about 1,400 foot climb. Not very far in there, but it is up. So we spike in there and have a little bite to eat, get our tent set up in the dark, get everything everything ready to rock, go uh, climb down to the creek, get a little water. We're fired up. There, there was no bugles that night, but I told him, I said, look, I've been in here five or six times. There's only been one time when the elk haven't been in here talking. And every one of the times that I've been in here, we never hear anything at night, but they're in there in the morning. So I had all kind of high hopes. So we started to walk to the spot, which is another 1,400 foot up. I mean, it's up, up, up. And uh, so we get to this part about halfway there. And I could have swore I heard something walking down below me. So we stop, knock an arrow, and we just wait. Light's just coming up. And I just hear something down there walking. You know, it could have been another hunter at a little different elevation, moving laterally. We just never saw him. But I didn't call. I didn't do anything. Just stood there and waited because it sounded like it was coming towards the park. Never came out. Nothing came to fruition. So we started to walk off. We get about 100 yards from where we were set up. And uh, it was the coolest thing, man. All you hear is just, ooh, 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 ooh. big chuckle right below us. Terrible wind. Uh, but I knew there was going to be more. Not new. I had figured there'd be more elk up high. So instead of messing with him, trying to do some huge circle, try to get on this bull. It was a couple hundred yards down the base, and we just kept climbing, which turned out to be a good, a good thing. So kept climbing, kept climbing. Finally, a bull cuts loose up top, right on the timber line, way up, about 11. He was probably at 11-2 at the time. He just cuts off a nasty bugle. No chuckle, just a loud bugle. Enough to let it, enough to know it's a real bull, all right? I, I, all I needed to hear was that one bugle, and I knew I knew instantly that that was a bull. And I told Tom Campbell, I said, hey, man, that's a real bull. He's fired up, right? His first real bugle. Obviously, he heard the chuckle, but, you know, hearing his first real bugle. So I start talking back and forth with this bull, and he's responsive, very responsive. Also, there's about three other bulls across the drainage, over our left shoulder. So we're fired up. I'm talking back and forth with this bull. So let me tell you the position. So if you're looking at a clock, this bull was at about, uh, he was at about two o'clock and we were at about seven o'clock with a downhill wind blowing from 12 to six, if that makes sense. So we're talking back and forth and I just went at him at the angle that I was given, right? I went at him from that seven-ish o'clock angle to his two o'clock angle, right at a 45, you know what I mean? And we're just talking back and forth the whole time. Now, eventually what happened was he shut up. So I'm thinking, I told Thomas, hey, this is probably a good thing. He might be about to make his move. Never did hear his feet, though, but I could smell him. I knew he was close. 
So I said, this might be it. I said, all we got to do is not let this bull get below us. Well, of course, 30 seconds later, he cuts loose. I cuts loose right below us. Pull the wind checker out. Of course, the wind swirling. I just hear rocks rolling. So he, he got us. He outmaneuvered us. Playing it simple, played the game better. He won. He won the battle. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. What would I have done differently? So I think what I would have done is not bugled quite as much because I already struck him. I knew where he was at. He was already sort of coming in. I would have just went from that 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock lateral angle, you know, from left to right, drop right under that bull, and then tried it. Instead, I took, you know, that 45-degree angle. He was able to slip me, do a circle, a clockwise circle, get below me, and he went to me. Again, I think what would have put me in a better position would be to have gone laterally and then tried him. But anyway, he beat us. Great encounter. I mean, we were within 70, 80 yards of him. I mean, we were super, super close to him. But, you know, he ended up winning the day. Again, there was some uh, some bulls across the basin, but my knee was in such rough shape that I didn't think if we killed something, we'd be able to get it out. So what we did, we dropped about 200 foot to a wallow that I knew about. And it actually looked like a good wallow. And we sat there for about two hours, didn't he hear or see anything. So went back to camp, had a little meal, hiked out of there. Uh, where did we spend the night? Where did we camp? I can't remember where we camped at. But anyway, woke up. My good buddy Cody met us out. Went to the, a different unit, which was actually... Uh, and also, don't get me wrong, I get it. Well, why are you leaving elk to find out? Listen, I wanted to find some elk in a little easier to get to spot because my knee was at about 15, 20%. So it was a bad deal. So this spot, a little more accessible. The elk are usually in there. So we climbed into this spot, only about a mile, maybe 400, 500 foot of elevation game. We get in there, I let out a bugle, nothing. So, you know, maybe an hour after daylight, we're glass and glass and glass. And we finally see them. My buddy said, the elk are always in here. Sure enough, they were in there. They were just in the wrong spot. They were on some private, uh, across this private hay meadow. Uh, there was a good, good, uh, good size herd over there. Big old bull over there. As far as rack size, I don't know. He was so far away. He was just so much bigger than his cows that, I mean, I was a mat. We were all kind of thinking that's got to be a mature bull because he was huge. But uh, anyway, that's the last of, of the action. Uh, so after that, I loaded up me and my buddy before he headed out to get on the plane we had a good biscuits and gravy breakfast and i hit the road drove home and i've been laid up for about a day and a half just icing my knee it is serviceable right now i'd say i'm back to 30 percent, 40 percent uh by no means is it good so i'm gonna keep the in reach very handy because i am about to spike in by myself and uh see if i can get on these things so i am gonna keep like i said i'll have the in reach handy but uh i'm definitely not feeling like myself but september is such a finite deal that you got to hunt when you can hunt i mean the only way i'm going to stop is if i can't move so i'm going to be out there grinding i'm going to be continuing to bring y'all some good content so i appreciate y'all tuning in listening to the story man how crazy was that gun story man i ain't never to this day every time i think about it i just it, it flushes me because i get so mad that somebody pointed a gun at me i was absolutely furious but wish y'all had got a video of it so y'all could see it, it was kind of crazy i hope it never happens to nobody else uh but it could have ended very badly but again, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. Got all kind of stuff coming down the pipe. Everything from late September muzzleloader antelope. We got Midwestern archery whitetail, and that's Missouri, Wisconsin. We got way down south, late season whitetail in January, Florida. Uh, we got 
archery, uh, archery whitetail in Nebraska. We got Oklahoma duck hunting coming up. We got uh, all kind of stuff coming down the pipe, man. Y'all stay tuned. Got all kind of cool guests that are going to hop on as well. A lot of them, you know, they're they're like me. They're going to be very busy this time of year. So, you know, maybe this is going to be one of those things that has to be done after the season, which is perfectly fine. But we got a lot of cool guests that already said they want to hop on and be a part of Retired to Hunt. Also got a super cool uh, camo company hopping on board. That'll be a big announcement with that coming up very soon. But uh, very, very proud to be working with these guys. Uh, like I said, can't wait to let y'all know about it. But again, guys, can't thank you enough for tuning in to Retired to Hunt. Like I said, a lot of cool stuff coming. Bear with me. Uh, but that's all I got for y'all. Y'all have a hell of an evening. Come back next week. Not sure exactly when I'll be dropping. You know, y'all know I'm about to be in the woods, so I'll do the best I can to get it out in a timely way. But uh, just stick with me, guys. I appreciate you listening. It's Retired to Hunt, and I'm out.